Section 10 of Starved Rock, a Historical Sketch by Eaton G. Osman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Veronica Jenkins. Section 10. Modern Starved Rock. Methinks you take luxurious pleasure in your novel Western leisure. Thoreau. The Era of the White Man. Then the white man came, pale as the dawn, with a load of thought, with slumbering intelligence, as a fire raked up. He bought the Indians' moccasins and furs. Then he bought his hunting grounds, and at length he forgot where the Indian was buried and plowed up his bones. The tale is soon told, for it is but a variation of the theme, which but now is dying away in the West as the Indian slowly disappears off the face of the earth, and from a feudal castle of Sieur de la Salle and a rock of refuge for hunted savages, Starved Rock has passed into its western leisure always a landmark of the great west in the more important epochs of its history it still was such when the english settlers began to invade the illinois country and it would be difficult to find a traveler journeying in the illinois valley spying out the land who has not told of going out of his way to visit and call attention to this remarkable natural curiosity flint in his history and geography of the mississippi valley published in eighteen thirty three devotes a page to rock fort describing the beauty of the rock itself and its surroundings and repeating the tradition that has given it its name though flint nowhere calls it other than rock fort charles fenno hoffman a then distinguished new york author and literateur who visited the rock in january eighteen thirty four while on winter tour through the west on the other hand calls the place starved rock and nothing else showing that such was its common name at that time in the illinois country Hoffman has a note written by an unidentified friend resident in Illinois, which repeats the familiar legend, with this single exception, that while the writer says one person escaped from the rock, that person was a squaw who was still alive when the Englishman entered the country. Schoolcraft, 1820, in his Travels Through the Central Portions of the Mississippi Valley, records having visited the rock when he made the sketch from which the engraving used as initial to this chapter has been made judge hall's ohio tales of the border eighteen thirties also contains the starved rock legend which was the common property of all western travelers of that early day of all the many articles that were written of starved rock in the past however none perhaps came to have a wider circulation or gave the rock wider celebrity than one written by Charles Landman, an article erroneously attributed by some of our more celebrated local historians to Washington Irving, who, unfortunately, so far as I have been able to discover, never saw and certainly never wrote a line about the rock. The article seems to have been Mr. Landman's swan song, but having been published as an elegant extract in prose from an eloquent writer in the famous Sanders series of readers, my copy is edition of 1855 for the use of academies and the higher classes in common and select schools it was read and declaimed by the youth of that and succeeding decades from one end of the nation to the other and i have no doubt that the article so published has been the means of bringing thousands of curious visitors to the rock in the past forty years the era of the plowshare and pruning hook has come to starved rock Grim-visaged war hath smoothed his wrinkled front, and the frightful and laborious past, soothed and softened by the tempering touch of lapsing time, has left its record, which now is like the legend and runes of credulous days, old fancies that have lain, 
silent from boyhood, taking voice again, warmed into life once more, even as tunes that frozen in the fabled hunting horn thawed into sound. The modern starved rock beleaguerers come arrayed in bicycle suits and picnic habiliments, and where once the Frenchman braved the terrors of savagery, his nineteenth-century successors, born of all nations, now invade the land to make an alfresco holiday. Today, too, its Kaskaskia cabins have been replaced by a modern hotel with broad verandas, an attractive dining room, and large and airy guest chambers supplied with water, gas, and the comforts of a hotel of the best class, and with private cottages attached for families, many comforts which, to the rock's earliest master, Louis the Magnificent, would have been impossible luxuries. The broad verandas overlooked the verdant, peaceful valley, while the cool shade of the forest but a step to the rear of the hotel brings rest and refreshment to the tired worker seeking here summer rest and recreation for renewed exertion in the business world. Separated from the hotel is a clubhouse where dancing parties are held, and again the sound of music and merry laughter that once without doubt echoed from the summit of the rock in the ancient days when the pleasure-loving Frenchmen found themselves at peace with savage foes, is caught up by the sweet south wind to fill again the quiet valley with the harmonies of peace and happiness. Nearby and accessible to pleasure-seekers are the cliffs, the glens, and the canyons of Illinois River, which unite to make this the most interesting locality from a scenic point of view on the entire stream. Farther away, but still within even walking distance, a few miles, are the famous Bailey's Falls and Deer Park Glen, the beauty spots of the Big Vermilion River, which itself is, for many miles of its length, the most interesting region from the geologist and artist's point of view in all northern Illinois. Deer Park Glen has been greatly beautified of late years by the creation of roads and paths and by the removal of the refuse of nature. But here, as is also the policy of the Starved Rock management, not one jot or tittle of nature's own beauty or handiwork has been or will be disturbed. Of all this interesting region, the Starved Rock Hotel is the natural center, and its management offers its guests all facilities for examining every portion of the region at their leisure. The hotel, owned by Walter and Houle of Chicago and managed, 1895, by William Tash, is the equal in all respects of the best summer hotels of the West and thus Starved Rock is rapidly becoming the most popular summer resort in the Illinois Valley, its register during the past few years having contained names of visitors from nearly every state of the Union. End of Section 10 Recorded by Veronica Jenkins in Ottawa, Illinois